Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the penultimate La Liga Lowdown match day recap. It's match day 37. There was a lot of games going on. My name is Rudy Barlow. I'm your host. I'm joined by Matt Clark, the omnipresent eye of Spanish football. How are you doing, Matt? I'm very well, thank you, Rory. It's, uh, it was an intense Sunday afternoon watching all those games unfold at the same time, as you rightly say, and plenty of drama, uh, plenty of things decided. So lots to talk about. Yeah, I could have done with your sort of, uh, yeah, all-seeing all eye today because it was... It was hard work keeping my eye on about, on about four or five different screens and trying to keep abreast of everything that was going on. There was plenty of going on. I think I think this week we should start with a relegation battle, to be honest, because I think that's where the news is. We have certainly the biggest confirmation I think we can take from this Sunday's action, from this weekend's action, is the relegation of Alaves. They went down 3-1 to Levante away from home. That confirmed their relegation. They can no longer get out this was kind of something we saw coming but ultimately e e even when they were playing against sort of an already relegated Levante team they just didn't have enough to to get the get the job done did they not? no and I mean Alaves have we, we've said this quite a lot that you know ultimately sacking managers left right and center is, is going to catch up with you and they were so desperate two seasons ago to to be in Primera for their centenary season they achieved that And then last season, they were in trouble again during their centenary season. They brought in Javi Calleja. He saved them. And then the first sign of a blip this year. And he sacked at Christmas. And you just think, well, here they go again. This is like a never-ending saga. It's just, you know, rinse and repeat. They brought in Mendilibar, which you think is a great fit. But that doesn't work out at all. And then uh, Julio Velasquez comes in. And to his credit, they won all the games at Mendizorotha. Uh, they fought hard. They won in midweek. Did all they could to to give themselves the best chance going into these final two games, but yeah, the, the game against Levante, of course, Levante already down as you say, and uh, Alaves get the best possible start going ahead. Um, Hosselu, who's only scored a couple of goals since February, so it was important for him to get back amongst the goals. Um, and yeah, it just obviously it was, we couldn't see the whole game unfold live because there were all the other games together, but just the way Levante were able to come back into the game was just. Tells you everything you need to know about about Alaves's kind of inability to to hold the lead and to to kind of grind it through. And if if they weren't playing at home, you know that their away form has been poor. And you felt like for them to have any chance, they would have had to play every game at Mendy. And of course, that that isn't the case. So 
Yeah, Alaba, it's, it's a shame in some ways to see them go. I know a lot of neutrals aren't a big fan of them, but they're a really passionate fan base. As you said, Vittoria Gasteiz is a lovely part of the world to, to be a Primera club. Um, so it's, it's a shame. And uh, we'll see what some of the players who might move on, the likes of Hossoli, I'm sure, will be in Primera next season. But uh, yeah, sadly, El Glorioso won't be. Yeah, definitely. It was, as you say, kind of fitting. I think that Hosloo scored a lovely goal, to be honest, as they went down. Um, and yeah, Alaves, I think I've been quite vocal about it. We both have about their sort of lack of organisation. I think there's a lack of investment. And to be honest, if we if we want to compare them with the efforts that other clubs have made, then yeah, they do need to be doing more to be staying up. And I think it's maybe a good reality check for the board there as, as to what they can expect to get out of it if they're, if they're going to plan seasons that way. Moving Sorry, on just, just to, to... Just to add on that, yeah, go for it. at the end of the game, uh, obviously, you know, it's a real kind of pity party because Levante fans and players are in tears because they're already down and, and Alaves are joining him. Alessio Lishi was consoling the, the Alaves players as much as his own. But uh, when the Alaves fans went over to that corner of the Ciutat to kind of reconcile with their fans, uh, according to the images I was seeing, it, it seemed to be more of a kind of hostile, furious reaction from the Alaves travelling fans rather than a kind of appreciation for the efforts. It, there's, there, I think there could be a, quite a lot of problems there between between the board and the fans, as you say, that they weren't happy at all with the way that this has happened. Yeah, I, I did also see a picture of Liskey out on his own on the pitch after the match. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of um, moments being taken in by people at the end of these games. It's the last home game of the season for, for many clubs. Um, Coming on to sort of the side that, as it stands, would be joining them in the second division. Cadiz, they got a 1-1 draw against Real Madrid, but it still wasn't enough to keep them out of the relegation zone. They did everything but win in this match almost as well. I mean, they had a penalty, Negredo had it saved by Lunin. It was one of a number of saves that Lunin made from Negredo. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's hard to sort of have a go at them or, or be critical of them for getting a draw against Real Madrid. But as it stands, it's not enough. No, and um, I mean, you can see before the game, the, the Cadiz fans really believe that in contrast to Alaves, you feel like the fans and the club are pretty united. There was a lot of discontent when Alvaro Ferreira was sacked, and rightly so, uh, I think we all thought. But uh, yeah, to Sergio's credit, he's come in and given them a fighting chance and, you know, they won at camp now. Uh, and then they've, they took the, uh, they've, they fell behind early. But, um, you know, the, the way the fans supported the team, you just knew that they were going to come back into it. And Sure enough, they did. Uh, a lovely goal from, from Sobrino. And then, yeah, Alvaro Negredo has that chance to, to give them the lead. And when you look at the Real Madrid lineup and you see Benzema's not there, Vinicius is not there, Courtois not there. I mean, Levante would have been thinking, you could have done this the other night against us, couldn't you? But <laughs> Gadith had every chance to win this game. And, and again, it seems harsh to say it, but they really probably should have because what, what they've lost now is the ability to determine on themselves to stay up because now they're level on points with Mallorca and they, they would lose the head-to-head with Mallorca. So if Mallorca match their result in uh, next weekend's final day, then, then it's sadly Cadiz at full. Yeah, Mallorca, uh, Mallorca even, sorry. Um, Mariano gave Real Madrid the lead in that match before Negredo equalised. And uh, and yeah, the reason that they are in the relegation zone because they started the, relegation, started the day outside of the relegation zone was the fact that Mallorca got Big late win, last minute stoppage time goal from Abdon Prats. Absolute scenes at Son Mosh. I'm not going to call it the Visit Mallorca study. Um, 
But yeah, it was a good game against Rayo. It was pretty end-to-end at times. They took the lead for Vedat Mariki and then uh, Pate Cis sort of glanced ahead of in from a corner. This was this was a good watch, wasn't it, Matt? It was, yeah. I mean, two sides that came up last season, uh, not much expected of, of either really, but of course Rayo had already certified their survival under Andoni Yeraola and they'd been hammered at home by Villarreal. So you're probably thinking this is a great opportunity for Mallorca to go and win. They started like a train. Uh, Muriki's header was fantastic, just an absolute textbook centre-forward header. And he's been brilliant for them since arriving in January. I know he hasn't scored for a month, but he has scored five goals since arriving, which is you know, probably up there with uh, Borja Mayoral and, and only behind Aubameyang in terms of uh, involvement since since signing in January. So a really good acquisition for them. And, and he's you know, he gives everything for the team. He, he fights hard, he holds the ball up, brings others into play. It's exactly what you need, especially now Aguirre's in there. He wants you know, a kind of fighting team. and and Mariki embodies that. And yeah, you, you think they've got the hammer blow when, when Rayo equalised through through Patisis. But then again, they go again, determined to find that winner. And and it's, it's great that it's Abdon Prats. I mean, first of all, what a tash. And second of all, <laughs> it's a scrappy goal, but he won't care one bit. And, you know, that's Asmiyoko Suta, that's his goal. Uh, he scored a fantastic overhead last season in Segunda. Uh, and then I think he only scored one other goal in La Liga this season, but that one could be absolutely priceless for them. Yeah, absolutely massive goal. So those two teams, Cardiff and Mallorca, level on points. 36 points they both have. The other team that's still in it is Granada. We're going to come on to sort of the flip side of they were playing Betis, who obviously had involvement in European competitions. Was there anything you wanted to say on Granada first? Just that I think um, I, I was seeing uh, Heath Chesters was tweeting earlier. He's he's obviously, it was a tough fixture for them away to Betis. Um They've done really well the first four games under Aitokaranka, unbeaten, two draws, two wins, the point at the Wanda Metropolitano, um, winning at home again, which they struggled to do uh, in, in the calendar year, really. So there's a lot of momentum behind Granada, and I think going to Betis was always going to be tough with, with, with the fans wanting to send their team off after a great season for Los Verde Blancos. And um, yeah, to, to lose 2-0, one of them was a late goal, which was uh, you know potentially offside. It wasn't offside, but it was close. It was originally disallowed. Um, I think there's no shame there. They still showed they're fighting hard and, and they have they have it in their own hands next week, which is all they can ask for. They're at home to Espanyol, who frankly are not really there at the moment, are they? So Granada have every chance to, to get the win they need and, and I would expect them to. Yeah, and let's not be a bit of bush. I mean, I didn't get the chance to watch this game intently, but just based on the chances, they did seem a little bit unfortunate not to get something from the game. But Sella with a great goal line clearance. But... It did have uh, did have good consequences for Betis. They can no longer finish below seventh. To speak on Betis, to speak on Sevilla, who secured themselves a Champions League spot, we obviously went to the man in Seville who, who knows all about the sort of rivalry between the two. Matt, you spoke to Alan Feely. We're going to slide into a break just after that, but uh, don't go anywhere, and we'll catch you on the other side of Alan. I'm here with Alan Feely and we're here to talk through the dramatic final uh, penultimate day 
in La Liga in regards to the top four. And of course, it was the two Sevilla clubs battling it out. Alan, you are a resident of Seville, so you're the perfect man to have to discuss all of these implications and ramifications from these matches. Uh, first of all, how are you? Very good, very good. Enjoying the final end of the season. Um, it's been an intense year for both clubs in Seville, obviously. Um, lots to play for even going into this match day. So, yeah, it was an interesting day um, for both perspectives and look forward to discussing it with you, Matt. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's get into that then. Ahead of the round, uh, Betis were five points off Sevilla uh, in fourth spot, but they needed uh, a big swing really to, to achieve it. But Sevilla were away at the Wanda Metropolitano and Betis were at home to uh, struggling Granada. So it was definitely possible. And the first half went to plan for Betis. Uh, a Juanmi goal uh, for Betis. And then uh, Atleti also took the lead in Madrid through Jose Maria Jimenez. So at half time, the gap was just two points, wasn't it, Alan? Betis believed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like To be honest, going to this game, the narrative was on Betis' side because it's been a good season for them. They won the Copa del Rey. They've been performing above you know, their expectations. They're a team that's more than, more than the sum of their parts in many ways, and Sevilla aren't. They're underperforming. They're below par. Um, they have a talented squad, some very, very good players, but they have been playing sparkling football or winning football or convincing football this season. So... The narrative from Betis' side was all, you know, positive. It was a free hit for them because they've already got European League football. That was their ambition this season. They've won silverware. Um, you know, going to this final run of games, they had five finals after the Cup of the Ray victory. They wanted to try and push Sevilla to get that top four place. And also, you know, Atletico Madrid and Barcelona. And um, whereas for Sevilla, it was more consolidating the top four place. You know, the third top four finish in three years uh, for the first time in the modern history. Um, and it was important for them because they obviously failed in Europe, in the, both the Champions League and the Europa League. They failed in the Copa. Um, they've not really convinced in La Liga in the second half of the season. So for them to win, you know, that trophy, we could say, or finishing in top four and getting Champions League football next season was hugely significant for them because if they failed, then Betis were going to come in and take it from them from, you know, around the bend. Like So it was very significant both perspectives because they wanted to finish top four and they wanted to stop Betis from finishing top four as well. So it was a very important um, trophy for them, you could say, you know. So, yeah, very tense game, very tense day for both clubs um, and Sevilla prevailed in the end. Yes, it was a late Yusuf Naziri header flying in the box to grab that equaliser for Sevilla and the scenes of celebration told you everything about what it meant to them, their fans and Julian Lopetegui himself. There's been a lot of speculation around his future in the last few days. I remember you saying last week that you think a change of cycle was needed and it appeared in the media that that would be the case. Monchi said after the game that uh, those rumours were false, but of course, we you know we know what Monchi's like. He could be uh, keeping his cards close to his chest. Remains to be seen what happens. But uh, first of all, what's your take on Lopetegui as a whole and, um, and what do you think will happen in the summer for Sevilla? I think Lopetegui's been a very good coach for Sevilla. I mean, he's come in and built a very solid, consistent and, you know, organised team. Three seasons, top four, is nothing to be sniffed at. It's a very impressive record. Um, I really like Lopetegui as a person and a coach. I think he's a very good guy. He's very straight-laced. He's very direct in terms of the way he operates. He's built a team that's very defensively organised. You know, one of the best defences in Europe, I would say. Um, and that's his strength. They're very difficult to beat. They're very competitive. They're very disciplined. Um, a strong Argentinian core. 
But the reality is that when it comes to the constructive phase of play or breaking down opponents who are sitting in a low block, he isn't as skilled in getting the best out of his team. Now, it's true that he's not had great options going forward. He's not had a striker that you could say is a top-class player um, throughout his tenure at Sevilla. Um, he's missed a creative midfielder since Everbenega left for Saudi Arabia in 2020. But the reality is he's a conservative coach. He plays with the handbrake on. And I think that, you know, this Sevilla team, crucially, are less than some of their parts. And I think that, you know, if you brought in another coach, you could get more out of them from an attacking perspective, can make more bold decisions. They could go higher and higher. You know I mean? At this moment in time, Atletico Madrid are in a weak moment. So are Barca. They're in a moment of transition. Um, Madrid are very strong, of course, but there's an opportunity there to, you know, gay crash that elite, you could say. They're already in the top four, but they could potentially gay crash and go for a title challenge or, you know, win a Copa del Rey or go deep in the Champions League. And, and the squad is capable, but I don't think that Lopetegui and the way he operates with this team is capable of getting that um, to fruition, you know. So I think that while Lopetegui's done very, very well with Sevilla since he's been there, for sure, he's had a very, very good spell there. He's brought them on leaps and bounds. He's done great work. I think that if you bring a new coach now this summer, an adventurous coach, a younger coach, someone who's more open to ideas, who bring in fresh enthusiasm, I think they go a long way and they can improve even more, you know? So I think it's, even though Manchi is, you know, putting cold water on this idea, I think that it's going to happen. Everyone I spoke to here in Seville, all the journalists who are in the know have said to me that it's going to happen as the case. It needs to be the case. And I agree to be honest with you. So while Lavategui is someone who's deserving of respect, First time here in Sevilla, I think that a change is necessary and is also a good idea, to be honest with you. Yeah, as you say, um, very difficult to kind of get a, a kind of glass half full or empty perspective. There is that three successive top four finishes, which only one other coach in Sevilla's history has achieved, uh, Helenio Herrera in the 50s. But then, of course, following last season's title push, the second half of this season has been pretty stuttering with so many draws, their record number of draws in a La Liga season. Uh, so, yeah, potentially an amicable split to come in the summer. As for Betis, um, another team obviously uh, right on your doorstep. Uh, a fantastic win for them again, beating Granada, who were unbeaten under Aitor Carranca until today. Uh, a brace for Juanmi. He's still in, in with a chance of becoming the top Spanish scorer in La Liga this season. Uh, brace today. And Pellegrini's 50th win in charge of Betis. How good a job has he done? Superb. Absolutely superb. I mean, like, it's kind of a... It's a fun, I remember being in the Plaza Nueva when they were celebrating... Um, the couple of two weeks ago. And when Pellegrini took to the stage, everybody was singing his name, Pellegrini, Pellegrini. It was really a remarkable moment, you know I mean? Like, I think, and I, I said earlier on Twitter this week, actually, I think that, you know, the success of Betis and the success of Pellegrini especially has amplified and turned the heat on Lopetegui because if maybe if Betis weren't winning the Copa, weren't playing quite, you know, scintillating champagne football, uh, didn't have such a good relationship with their coach, then maybe Lopetegui would have got away with one because, you know, the comparison here in Seville is very, very strong. And the Civilistas have told me, no, 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 we don't judge ourselves by against Betis, we judge ourselves against Madrid or against Atletico or whatever, but it's not the case, it's not true. You know, the, yeah. the rivalry is very intense here. And the reality is that, you know, Betis are in a perfect storm. I mean, Pellegrini is a very, very good coach. Like Carlo Ancelotti, he's created kind of a very simple, organized, um, positive atmosphere at the club that has got the best of the players at the disposal. And they have good players, you know, I mean, Sergio Canales, uh, Juanmi, 
uh, Nabil Fakir, Borja Iglesias, um, Andres Guardado, uh, Guido Rodriguez. That's a front five that's very strong and very talented. It rivals, you know, the best teams in La Liga, if not Europe. So to have a coach who can come in and get the best out of those players without signing anybody new is really quite impressive, you know, and that's what they've done. Um, they won 2 0 today. They deserve the victory, in my opinion. Even though Granada have improved greatly under either Karanka in recent weeks and months. Um, but yeah, it's a positive moment for Rabetas, to be honest with you. I mean, next season, um, if they make smart acquisitions in the summer, I think they'll probably lose a couple of players. Maybe Nabil Fakir can move on. But, you know, if the rumor mill is correct, they'll bring in Isco in his place. So it's a good, good, uh, good, good deal, you could say, you know. So yeah. I think it's a positive moment at Real Betis. I think Pellegrini is at the right place um, for him in this point of his career. I think that there's good players there who are content at the club. I mean, the likes of Borja, um, Sergio Canales, you know, they're going to stay there for the foreseeable future. So, yeah, I think it's a kind of a, a perfect synthesis, you could say. And, you know, La Vida Betica, as I say here, the kind of the best lifestyle, the best momentum, the best... Um, synthesis is very very positive so yeah i'm confident that during the summer and going into the next season they'll be happy with how things go yeah onwards and upwards for betis uh, a very positive time to be a betis fan as you as you say so well there but of course it is severe who take that fourth spot on uh, this penultimate day of the league well thank you very much for joining us today alan it's always a pleasure to hear from you again and uh, enjoy the last game no worries matt pleasure as always thanks for having me on you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volur xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. It's the Match Save 37 recap. Betis, obviously, they won't be able to finish above Sevilla. They secured their Champions League spot. But there were Europa League spots on the line this week. And Real Sociedad secured theirs. That was against Villarreal. And obviously, one of our, our main sources of info on Villarreal is Louis Scatterwood, who Matt spoke to to evaluate their defeat to La Real. I'm now joined by Louis Scattergood to reflect on Villarreal's game against Real Sociedad. Louis, first of all, how are you? Welcome back on the pod. I'm all right, thanks, Matt. How about you? Yeah, very good, very good. Thank you. It was a direct duel for Europa League positions, wasn't it? Uh, ahead of the game, of course, Villarreal needing to beat Real Sociedad to, to overtake them on head-to-head. Uh, and the first half went pretty well, didn't it? Coquelin giving them the half-time lead, and at that point, all was going rather swimmingly. But uh, second half, Real Sociedad came back, and uh, yeah, in the end, it's now Real Sociedad who seal Europa League place, and Villarreal uh, will be seventh at best. So uh, how do you reflect on the game? Um, not specifically on the game itself, but as a whole, in terms of the season, I feel... Uh, I'm a bit disappointed, but I feel like there's a different section of the uh, the fan base that wanted different things. Uh, some people would be happy with the Champions League, some people would have wanted more in the league. I think it's a bit of an ongoing debate whether um, uh, whether we should have really prioritised the league a little bit more, but Champions League semi-finals for us is absolutely outrageous to, even to think about now. When, when I went, it, it made it, contextualised it so much more. Um, but in terms of this game, I, f- I feel like it's just defined our season, to be honest, especially domestically. Uh, we've had so many poor results. Um, you think about the last couple of months, losing to Alaves, losing to Levante, who were both already down after today and last week. I feel like we definitely could have stepped up to and like made a mark on those games. Like We've beaten up Betis at the v- Via Marine. We've taken it, the game to Real Madrid twice. I f- it's been very disappointed and very frustrating from a fan's point of view but um from from the outside from a, just a general illegal league neutral watcher um i i would be so mixed up because you you put us up there with our squad as one of the deepest squads in the league and one that really should be challenging for um the title i say i feel like we'd literally just severe but um toned down i'm not sure what we should do next season maybe the conference league being in that if we we're not even there yet but if we get that i feel like that would be better for us because this season it's been just 
um, Champions League. It's been well. We did get knocked out of the Copa del Rey quite early, to be honest. But it, it, we've had to prioritise different things, and it's just been kind of stressful. So I feel like the, having a rest for the players is will be very good, especially considering half of them been injured the entire time. Mm. Dan Juma and Gerald Moreno, and I feel like this this summer transfer window will be really beneficial for us as well because we'll be able to offload, see who we offload because there's been. Um, rumours around Arno Danjuma and Paulo Torres exiting so it'll be interesting to see how we can rebuild around that um, but as much as I've um, waxed lyrical about it being really frustrating in the last few wo- last few months um, there's so much exci- excitement to uh, be kind of, kind of uphold over the next few months with the stadium redevelopments and possibility of European football um, and yes, we have eternal memories from this season from getting to the Champions League semi-final. So I don't feel like we can be too hard on ourselves because at the end of the day, we are Villarreal. Yeah, it's it's so hard to, as you say, contextualise it and really put it into any kind of perspective because you know you've knocked out Juventus, Bayern Munich, you pushed Liverpool so hard in that second leg. Uh, you know, forty-five minutes away from from taking them to extra time and potentially reaching a Champions League final, which would have been absolutely historic for the club as you say and yeah coming off the back of a 5-1 against Rio where everything seems to click and then again a set piece goal to get them off here you're thinking yep Emery's been on the training ground he's been working the players they know what they're doing they're on for this you yeah. know Europa League charge but then to, to lose in such a way at home in front of the fans it's a, a deflating end isn't it and and as you say seventh isn't even secured yet because only a point clear of athletic club now who uh, who will be going all for it in the final game and, and Villarreal's fixture where is it Oh yeah, can now where Emery doesn't do so well, does Great. he? Mm. Well, <laughs> Sorry well. to put that one to you. I'm drooling just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, to, do you think? Do you think uh, with Barca already secured for second, do you think the Villarreal will be able to go there and and get enough to qualify then for for seventh for the Conference League? I mean, to be fair, when Barcelona came and played at the at La Ceramica, I feel like we had, we had them in the first half. Well, we've heard that one before, haven't we? Um, but again, just capitulated in the second half. Uh, I've, it's just been, it's just been the story of our season, as I mentioned a couple of minutes ago. I feel like we can get a result, but there's a key word there: can. I'm not sure if we will or not. We just need to get a point against Barcelona. But as you've just said, Emery is not the, um, the the king of the camp now. We'll say. Uh, and to be fair, going off the results that we've had in the last couple of weeks, um, not entirely that confident. We, we, it's just going to be so difficult to get a result out of the camp now. So I'm hoping for a draw. Uh, well, I'm hoping for a win, obviously, but I'll be happy with the draw because I don't see Athletic Club getting a result against Sevilla, mm. personally anyway. But that could come back to bite me, which probably usually does. <laughs> well, if, if the teams do end up level on points, so, you know, if, if VRL lose and Athletic get the draw, Athletic would qualify by virtue of the head-to-head. So there's something to kind of factor in as well. well but, uh, sorry to interrupt. I do feel like even if we don't get Europe, there's a possibility that the next season could benefit us personally. Because if you think about the last 10 years of Atletico, um, they they just had a rush straight up into the... They were in Champions League finals. Um, they were winning the league. Sometimes the season after, like this season, they won the league last year, and this season they've just completely 
he started really poorly. Maybe we need that step back because we'd won the Europa League last season. We got to Champions League semi-finals this season. I feel like we do need a break. Um, but that's not me saying I don't want Conference League. I'd be happy with it. Um, and I feel like that's a tournament we can win. Mm. Um, it's like, look at the finalists this year. Both of them, I feel like we could beat quite convincingly. Yep. But, um, yeah, I, I I wouldn't be too fussed if we don't get Europe next year because we there are players in our squad that, um, especially if there's people leaving that are quite important to our starting eleven. I feel like they uh, we, we wouldn't we would benefit from having a few less games next season, so we can actually prioritise the league and try and get into that top three and try and break that top four. That I feel like we can break into that next season, especially if we don't have extra games next season via Europe but as I've just said that's not me asking to not get Europe next season Indeed well that's a little bit more optimistic than we started so that's probably a good place to finish uh, thank you very much for your contributions yeah. Louis and uh, we'll chat to you again soon No problem mate Thanks Matt Many thanks and muchas gracias to Luis Scattergood there. There were sort of two teams that confirmed their, their places in, in a sense. They both needed a point. They both played out a point. Barcelona drew nil-nil with Hatafe. What have you got to say on this, Matt? Because there wasn't a great deal. No, we didn't see much of it on the uh, on the multi-camera, multi-goal coverage, did we? Because as you say, there weren't any goals, there weren't many chances in the game. Hatafe showed how much of a solid side they are now. Um, Barca were quite content to take the point as well and you know if this was a World Cup third group game when both sides needed a draw you could have said it was a bit of a biscotto but um, yeah I mean just a word on Hitafe, incredible job that, that Kike Sanchez Flores has done and he's done so well that we've almost forgotten to say how well he's done lately because they've been so far clear of it and while it wasn't mathematically sure until today I don't think anyone really thought they were going to get sucked in again so from where they were what was it seven straight defeats and couldn't score a goal, couldn't defend, totally limp and listless. Every, you know, it seemed they seemed resigned to relegation from kind of match day eight nine. But then Kike comes in, revolutionises the team. Admittedly, the January signings helped as well, but um, a fantastic job from him. Um, and Hatafe will look to build on next season. And of course, for Barca, they finished second, which, quite honestly, from where they were when Xavi came in, was the best they could hope for. And they've qualified for the Supercoppa for next season, which is worth, I think, about €8 million. Euros. So that'll be very welcome for for the board and uh, Matteo Alemán to, to, to work his transfer magic. Um, so, yeah, onwards and upwards for Barca, hopefully under Xavi. We'd like to see a, a more competitive title race next season. Um, but, yeah, both sides content with the draw here. Yeah, um, I think they benefited a lot from the fact that there were eight other games on because if it was just that game, I think the criticism would have been pretty pretty grim in terms of this match. But as you say, for Xavi, I don't think you can ask any more than what he's done. I mean, I know the last month hasn't been great at Barcelona, but overall, take it as a package. Barcelona, I think, they've achieved their targets. Moving on, Athletic still have something to play for. Marcelino said there's a 50% chance he might not be there next season, but they beat Osasuna 2-0, and that leaves them within a point of Villarreal going into the last day of the season. Athletic go to Sevilla, whereas Villarreal go to Barcelona. 
I mean, I mean, how do you even evaluate this? Because it seems like he's one foot out the door, but he also might achieve European qualification, which on the whole is probably a good season. Well, yeah, I, I have to say, I think, um, obviously we've only got his side of it, so I must say that, but I think it's it's incredibly disrespectful the way that he's been treated, to be very honest. I mean, I know there's going to be presidential elections at Athletic and, and all the candidates have their own kind of manifestos, if you like, but for none of them to even kind of acknowledge and speak to Marcelino in terms of con continuing, it, it just seems harsh to me. I think he's done probably the best he could do with the squad he has. He, you know, he reached another cup final. Okay, they, they did lose both, which of course is the ultimate result, but they won the Super Copa in his first month. They've beaten Real Madrid, Atleti and Barca, I think a couple of times each in various cups or Super Cup competitions. And uh, yeah, he's he's got the team playing well. Munyain is playing the best football of his career, I'd argue, right now. And uh, Marcelino's got them a very solid, hard-to-beat side. And do you know what? I quite fancy them to, to get that seventh spot and reach reach the Conference League because Villarreal going to Barcelona, we know what Unai Emery's record is there. It's it's pretty horrific. And and with Sevilla already already confirming their place in the top four, I don't think there'll be too much for them to play for. So you know that that could well be a draw and. When you then look at VRL's uh, options at Barca, they could lose that, and in which case, uh, Athletic would take it on the head-to-head. -head. So I think that's a very plausible, plausible scenario. Um, but yeah, as for Marcelino, I think he's done a very good job. I think it might be best for them all to part ways, given how, how, uh, like you say, acrimony is not even the right word because it, it's not really, it's not really been like that. It's just been kind of like you say, the open secret that they know that it's not going to continue next season. So it's a strange one. It is a strange one. Yeah, it is a bit bizarre and I think Marcelino for me, he's almost been a victim of the fact that with those cup finals it's been a bit anticlimactic. I think if he wins one of them he's universally lauded as a success yeah. and, and I think you get to finals and it's very hard to judge people on final losses um, in my view and to an extent we always come back to it but like how much more can you expect a different manager to do without a goal scorer? It is always going to come back to bite you in my view. Um, yeah. It was, I say, Villa Libre, who maybe, I'm not holding out a lot of hope, but maybe he'll become that goal scorer. He, he got the second and Alejandro Alex Berenguer got the first in that game. Celta beat Elche 1-0. It was Denis Suarez potentially playing his last game for Celta who got it to Iago Aspas' assist. Not a great deal to say on this either, is it? Two teams who don't have a lot to play for, Matt. No, the, the bizarre thing was that it was actually played at this time. I mean, originally it was scheduled for Saturday along with Valencia Espanyol. And uh, yeah, that seemed fine because neither side had anything to play for. Um, but then, of course, La Liga realised that there could be a kind of four-way tie, I think, on 39 points with Elche. So that could have affected the uh, the outcome of relegations. So that's why they had to shove it back. But once again, didn't look great on the optics. And, and for any match-going fans that had planned a, a day trip to Balaidos, it wasn't ideal at all. But... You know, the fans that were there got to see a decent Celta performance, decent way to end the season. Yago Aspas trying to get some more goals to cement his place as the uh, the Zara winner. But he got an assist, which obviously counts if, if things are level. So uh, that was good. Denis Suarez, like you say, nice for him to end uh, with a goal if, if he does go. And of course, Nolito. They gave him a nice send-off at the end of the game too. So Nolito Golito, <laughs> a nice way for him to, to wave goodbye to, to the Celta fans. Yeah, and uh, Espanyol Valencia. I mean, one-one. This finished. Geraldo Tomas got on the score sheet, as did Maxi Gomez. Again, not a great deal in terms of the actual game itself to take forward. 
But Vicente Moreno's gone. That happened in between. Um, and they've been linked with Diego Martinez, who's apparently their first choice, Jose Bordalas. On the opposite bench is apparently an option as well. Um, Vicente Moreno achieved his objectives, but still gone. What's your kind of take on that, Matt? I think I was saying this on Twitter the other day. Um, I think he's he's very much like, you know, those managers or those clubs that always get promoted and then always go down again. I think he's he's kind of that in-between level. He's clearly very good Segunda manager. He's good um, at getting teams up. He's done it. I think he's got, what, three or four promotions in four years now with, with Mallorca's double and then Espanyol last season. Um, but then there is that something missing in La Liga. His away record is really awful. Um, and if he didn't have a striker like Raúl de Tomás, I think there would have been a lot more problems this year. Um, yes, it's, uh, objective achieved, yes, um, no doubt about that. But Espanyol, I mean, given how much of a, of a shock it was when they went down, they, they do see themselves as a top half La Liga club, without doubt. And I think they, they wanted to be in that kind of top half. Maybe not pushing for Europe this season, but certainly not far off it. And, you know, the likes of Osasuna, that kind of level, I think, is where Espanyol want to be. And they weren't they weren't able to, to reach that. You say both sides are in kind of turmoil again. They're just stagnating. The, the form is awful. I think Valencia have gone nine games without a win now, which is their worst run since 2004. Ranieri didn't last too much longer after that. And again, Bordalas, he's, he's been hamstrung again by not getting the signings he, he wanted. Paco's talked about that many a time. And yeah, we'll, we'll see what the summer brings. Uh, whether they can keep Soler, Gaia, Gerdish, that's absolutely crucial because if, if they go, Valencia are going to be in trouble again. Just on so there, um, Paco Polite, obviously go follow him on Twitter. He's, he's done a good thread about the fact that Carlos Soler, who, who's negotiating a new contract with Valencia in theory, um, I think Anil Murti, I think it was, was recorded saying, um, if you leave for free, then I will kill you in the press. Um, in, in terms of sort of, yeah, a smear campaign against Soler um, if he was to, to exit without sort of bringing in a big transfer fee, which is just... Another on the list of things that I'm sure Valencia fans will be thrilled with <laughs> under the merit and ownership. Um, coming on to sort of a, a final goodbye, I wanted to just say Luis Suarez, who, who was in tears on, on the bench after he came off against Sevilla. Potentially his last game in Spanish football. It was his last home game at Atleti. A couple of words on that, Matt. Yeah, I mean, what a player, what a legend. Um, he deserved that moment. He's been... It's been a very underpass season by his standards, but I think even when he left Barcelona, there was acknowledgement that his, he couldn't do the running and the pressing that he needed to at the elite level. Um, Aleti were very grateful to take him on, and of course he he went in the Suarez zone last last season and, and won in the league, and of course the fans showed him that banner today. Thank you for making us champions. And uh, yeah, this time last year, he was he was scoring those crucial goals to, to get Aleti over the line. And it, It's only a year ago. It seems a long, lot longer now, but... Yeah, Luis Suarez is, is a La Liga legend without question. Uh, his record at Barcelona and what he did at Atleti as well. Um, well over 30 years old. He, he has said that he wants to continue in Europe. Um, whether that will be in Spain or not, I don't know. Uh, you know, he, he could go for a kind of a, uh, a bigger contract in the Premier League, perhaps. Uh, kind of a mid-level team there or potentially even Serie A. He, of course, he was potentially linked there with Juventus and the, the exam random fiasco <laughs> story when he was on the way out of Barca. But um, yeah, Luis Suarez, salute, salute uh, El Pistolero. Uh, the, the Suarez zone has now become the twilight zone. Yeah, no, Luis Suarez, I think 
it's it's very hard to realize this when you get players in the twilight of your of their career, as you say. But just an electric forward, I think we'll really really miss him um, once once he's gone. It's come to the end of the show. Uh, we're going to move on to the MVP now. This was a a bit of a struggle as we were trying to keep our eye on several games at once, but we've come up with some choices. Matt, who is your first? I'm going to have to go with um, with Wanley. Um, you know, he's he's not always been the greatest goal scorer, but this season he's really, really turned up big for Betis. And they've been able to count on on a few. And when you think about uh, Betis, the, the strikers they've had, you wouldn't none of them you'd say were elite forwards, but they've all, I think they, both him and Borja have reached 20 goals this season now in all competitions, which is a great return. Betis have scored 100 goals. Um, and yeah, Juan Mee's got 20 of them, 16 in the league. And he's still in with a shout of uh, being the top Spanish scorer. If if he can get maybe a hat-trick next week and, and then Yas- uh, Iago Aspas doesn't, he could be there. But yeah, in this game, lovely finishes. Um, the dink over Maximiano was spectacular. And uh, yeah, only three shots, two goals, um, XG of 1.28. So he's overperformed in this game, again, for those that, uh, that like those stats. And yeah, he's just... Uh, He's loving life at Betis, and uh, it's just a really good fit, so it's great to see. Yep, I'm going to go with a, a substitute who, who came in for Thibaut Courtois this weekend. Lunin, you have to say, he was very, very good. He stopped a penalty, he made several big saves, and uh, and yeah, you, you're starting to wonder if maybe, I mean, he's a young goalkeeper, maybe he's too good for the Real Madrid bench. How long does he kind of want to sit on there behind Courtois, because... Because, yeah, he made some really great saves and he's probably the difference between Cali being in control of their own fate next weekend uh, and not being. So, uh, yeah, credit to Lunin. He came up very big and was, was very good. Exactly what you want from your substitute and, and younger goalkeeper. Your second choice, Matt. Uh, I'm going to go for this. Perhaps more sentiment than anything, but I'm going to go with Jose Luis Morales, El Comandante. Um, Levante down. We don't know if... if... Morales will play in La Liga next season. We think he'll probably stay with Levante, try to get them back up. So this is probably his last nomination for our MVP award um, for at least two seasons. So I think he, he deserves an honorary mention. In the game again, he was he was you know crucial in the turnaround. He got the assist for Oscar Duarte's equaliser, and then he wrapped it up with a, with a, a late goal to seal the three one. Um, and again, he was in tears at the end of the match. And yeah, I just I just think you know he is not the reason Levante are down. We know they can attack well. We know he's a fantastic component of that attack. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's so sad because he's such a fantastic player, so elaborate. Uh, you know, 13 goals, six assists for the season. That's that's great numbers. That's that's really top-half numbers, European numbers. Um, so it's a real shame for him to, to bow out, but at least he did it in style. Yep, and I'm going to go with a player who you said playing his best football of his career, and I have to agree with that. Iker Munyain was was very good today. He got the assist for the sort of first goal from the set piece and then he sort of launched the counter-attack that led to the second goal. And it is just he's just so key to to, to Athletic Club. I, I mean, I probably should have done this before, but I'd like to see the stat of like what percentage of key passes he gives in the athletic team because everything revolves around him. If you can shut him down, if you can take him out, Athletic are a totally different team. And and he is the sort of key to to unlocking defences for them and they have goal scoring issues but they also have creative issues if he's not there if he's not playing well so yeah another good performance from him I'm going to move on to the moments now um, I don't know I don't know what the first one you want to go with is Matt 
Uh, again, I think I have to mention Luis Suarez, you know, the ovation that he got. And Hector Herrera too, to be fair. He's obviously off as well in the summer. But um, it, it was just nice that he got that moment because, of course, you know, when he left Liverpool, it was very much a, a bit of a storm after they hadn't failed. They'd obviously failed to win the league in spectacular style. And, and there was a lot of uh, acrimony around his bite in the World Cup. And he was, he was coming into Barcelona on the back of a ban. And then, of course, when he leaves Barcelona, there's... You know, no love lost at all between him and Bartomeu. And uh, he's just kind of shoved out the door rather ignominiously. So I think it's really nice that he gets a proper send-off from from a club um, because I'm sure all three fan bases love him massively. Um, certainly did at the time that he left. And uh, yeah, he just he deserves that kind of send-off because, I, like we said, he's a La Liga legend. He's, he's a legend of European football in the last 10, 15 years. 100%. I, I can't go anywhere but the Son Mosh. What what a moment. Mosh pit. The Mosh pit. It was Abdon Prats, fantastic. I mean, as you say, it's not the cleanest goal, but the absolute scenes at the end of the match, both in the sands, on the pitch. I don't think anyone, there was no player that people would have been more pleased for than Abdon because he, he is this kind of lovable, hard-working striker who maybe not, technically good enough for La Liga uh, I don't want to slate him on his on his big day but uh, yeah fantastic moment and, and that's what football's about stoppage time winners everyone celebrating to, to sort of keep the hope alive that's that's what it's all about for me uh, I think there would be no it would be absolutely wrong if we were to play out on, on anything else this week I think unless you have any any other business we'll wrap it up there Matt yeah, again, just uh, sorry to see Alaves go. Um, that's two out of three now. We'll obviously find out next week who joins them. But quite a lot sorted in the league. We know who's going to be in the Champions League. We know who's going to be in the Europa League. Uh, it's just that seventh spot for the Conference League and, and that final relegation spot. But uh, a thrilling day of action. Um, pleasure to, to join you to discuss it all. And we can't wait for next week to do it all again. Uh, thank you, Matt. Thanks for, for being here. Thanks to Louis Gatchagut and Alan Feely, who were on earlier to, to give us their insight Go check out the, the website, laligalowdown.com. There's some good blog stuff on there. Ikan Munyain, as, as Sam mentioned, I think in the last podcast, is uh, Louis Scattergood's latest piece. Um, but there's plenty on there from, from a wide variety of clubs. Obviously, go follow us on Twitter as well. That's where you can vote for your MVP. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll see you there. But thank you for listening. And uh, adeu, as they would say in Mallorca. Atención, ¿qué pasa Mallorca? ¡Gol! del Mallorca! Minuto 91. Se viene abajo, son más. La locura, Tom Brás. En el segundo palo, marcó un gol del ascenso in extremis. Y hoy Abdon Pras saltó en los últimos minutos para buscar el milagro. Le cae el balón muerto en el área. Todo el banquillo. Una piña con Abdon. El delantero Mallorquín marca el segundo. Mallorca 2. Rayo 1. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.